is Spoke, the all-new and exclusive podcast series with me, Chidera, a.k.a. The Slum Flower. And me, Sully Breaks, poet, writer, spoken word, artist, etc, etc. Where we discuss issues at the heart of youth culture and how music and literature are shaping the conversation. It's been over a year since the tragedy at Grenfell, tearing the heart out of a community and forcing London to take a long, hard look at what kind of a place it's become. The city has arguably never been more divided, and this is reflected in the country as a whole. As this disparity grows and communities break down, it's now reported council-run youth services will face a funding cut of an estimated three billion by 2025. Young people are increasingly left to fend for themselves as the government makes cuts to youth services and community centres and young people are left with the dwindling resources and no safe environments to explore who they are or meet like-minded people. How can young people make their mark if they're not given the opportunities to do so? Where do divides in our society leave young people on the margins and is it time we took things into our own hands? In this episode, we discuss community, creativity, and the ever-increasing divide between us and them. Okay, so Grenfell's a really difficult one. Extremely, extremely. Really difficult to speak yeah, about. Very... Because it just feels like an incomplete story. Mm. And what's even more heartbreaking is recently, Theresa May invited people to come down to Downing Street um, in celebration of, um, I think it was in celebration of British African communities. Yeah. And I was actually one of the people that was invited to that, but I turned it down and I said the reason why I'm not going is because it just feels like a desperate... Like an appeasement kind of method. Yeah, it feels like a desperate virtue signal yeah. on, on, on her end and I don't want to do PR for her and I don't feel like the way Grenfell was handled um, was righteous. I don't think she did enough. So it feels strange to me that, you know, there are people from the community that she's inviting to Downing Street who were heavily affected by the tragedy. And for that disconnect to exist, and she still felt confident enough to invite us to her space to make her look good, it didn't make any sense to me. And I think in situations like that, it's really disappointing and heartbreaking because I still feel like there's so much that could have been done. And the conversation about it is really, it hasn't ended. And yeah, it's it's evident in the way that we, we speak about things like, you know, youth centres and violence and drill and even Grenfell. All of these things are still prominent in our society. And I'm really curious and I guess a bit optimistic but I totally agree with you. I feel like, but I think the biggest question we got asked is like, is it ignorance or is it like complete, just like conscious negligence? And then is it kind of like, what is the, what, well, like you said, her inviting people like you, is that manipulative? Do you see what I'm saying? Because mm. like we say, inherently, there's still so many problems in our community that haven't been addressed, you know, that haven't been dealt with, but the country's still progressing as though they're, they're insignificant, they're irre- irrelevant. Do you understand yeah. what I'm saying? So unless we kind of have these discussions, where are we going to see them champion on any kind of platform, you know? Yeah. It's a difficult one because sometimes the issue is if you're not in the room, how can you make change? But yeah. at the same time, that person needs to be receptive to what that change requires. Yeah. And also that person needs to display a willingness for that change to happen. And I don't feel like Theresa May had either of that. So it wouldn't have made sense for me to go there and 
Do you know I, what I mean? I totally understand that, man. I feel like one of the things I've always wanted to do is like, just I'm not really into politics, but to sit down with a politician outside of them working. You know, like it's kind of like sitting with your manager outside of like work. Like say if you like if you worked in a corporate place, whatever, and you said to the manager, let's go for a drink. You see a different side of that person. Yeah. I'd, I'd be so interested to sit down with her like when she's going yeah. home to her family and actually be like, no, is, like, is this just a job for you? Are you just pretending? Do you know that all these people hate what you're doing? Are you aware or you just, is it like completely just desensitized to what's going on. Well, the thing on. is, you can you can be aware that a lot of people are not happy with the work that you're doing, but if you don't value them enough as people, they exactly. don't value how they think. It comes out to community. Yeah. yeah. Big news. Big news. We have our first ever live show coming on November 17th in my hometown of Peckham. We'll be doing a live record with the incredible Emma DeBerry, the author of Don't Touch My Hair, and Rally Ritchie of Game of Thrones. We have performances with the one and only Getz and Lava LaRue. We've got Martello and Antonia Adelami on the decks. And there'll be workshops from Enlarge Your Memories and Tottenham Textiles. To buy tickets now, starting at £5, head to Dice and see tickets. So we got Amelia de Moldenberg in at the building. You might recognise her from Chicken Shop Date. Hello. <laughs> you got to introduce yourself and don't do nothing. Wait, are you going to be in character? No, no I'm are you going to be Amelia? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to slip into character. Who knows? Listen, um, one thing we don't want no. Sorry to cut you off. I just want to preempt that we don't want no humbleness right here. Do you understand what I'm saying? Say who you are, introduce yourself, and champion yourself because this girl is an extremely hard worker. She's taken a unique concept and taking it to completely mm-hmm. different heights. Had some amazing guests and she's innovating in her space. So let the people know who you are and say it yes. in your chest. Wow, okay. Obviously, <laughs> I... She's like that. She's like, right. <laughs> um, I am Amelia de Moldenberg. And I, yeah, I created a YouTube channel called Chicken Shop Date. And um, yeah, I think it's a... I'm really happy with where it is right now. It's I think it's one of the best interview formats that there is right now. Um, Android. Uh, within music, uh, comedy, um, personalities in general that I think um, young people in the UK are really interested in. And that's why I want to get them on my show. Um, I also hope that it shows a different side to those guests that you wouldn't normally see um, mm. in other interviews. And also, it's a, it's a comedy. It's it's comedy first, I think. Um, obviously, I want to show some insight, but at the end of the day, um, everything I do is just to make people laugh, first and foremost. But yeah, I also... Um, um, been in a few documentaries, one on Channel 4 this year, which is really amazing, about the Royal Wedding. Um, and I want to get more into television. I'm on a show on ITV2 called Don't, Don't Hate the Players at the moment as well. So that's been really exciting, doing more TV. That's definitely what I want to be doing. Um, and also carrying on doing Chicken Shop Day and creating my own stuff because um, you get so much more creative freedom when you can make your own things. So, yeah, that's dope, me. Dope, 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 dope. Janira, you want to give the drum roll for our next guest? Standing to the to the left, man. Cheese. The myth. Cheese. The iconic. Cheese. Arnold Jones. Oh, my like AJ. Yeah, AJ. You know, I mean, <laughs> why are you laughing? <coughs> None of this humble business, bro. Introduce yourself to the people right. who don't know. Give That's us your right. whole track record. You Bring know what I mean? Yeah, I said, let the people know. Hi, um, I'm Arnold. Um, George. I'm not good at intros, you know. Um. <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm Arnold. I'm I'm an actor, um, comedian, uh, writer. Um, I probably known for a character I used to do called A Squeezy. Um, put that to bed to focus more on my production company, which I started um, this year. Um, so far, just been writing um, BBC um writing for different brands, and we got a series coming out 
can't say what the series is. Comes out in January that I've been working on alongside Jazzy. Yeah, man, just got a few stuff, man, working on a feature film at the minute. Um, yeah, and just trying to get stuff out there more as a writer and slowly getting back into front of the camera because I feel like, I feel like a, you know, like when you're a singer songwriter and then yeah. you start songwriting for so long and you forget that you're actually a singer yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah, so I've been writing a lot for other people's projects or writing a lot for, you know, projects that I've been producing and directing under my production company that I forgot that I actually act. Like even sometimes my manager or people that I'm working with are like, why don't you play that role? I'm like, but I can't act. They're like, but you're an act. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just been doing that. Okay, let's talk then, because I think both of you <coughs> have very significant roles in a specific creative community that's mm. existing and is flourishing within the UK, innit? So I think the biggest thing is, do you lot, how do you guys perceive the community and what does community mean to you? I mean, what incentivized you to want to tell the stories that I guess typically are not championed by other platforms? Well, my sort of beginning started at in a youth club in North West London, which I think, Arnold, you actually stopped by <laughs> yeah. a couple of times. Yeah, I, I you was, don't remember uh, me, but I remember you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I remember that, man. I was um, doing the photography. They yeah. had a magazine, didn't it? Yeah, so yeah. at this youth club, it was... Um, How old were you at the time? I was in sixth form, so I was like 16, 17, 16, yeah. 17. And um, we we basically made a magazine that was the point of everyone getting together. And it was called The Cut. Yeah. And it was um, made by two women called Nina Mandahar and Nendi. Yeah. And they were really amazing and... Basically, anyone could go. Well, actually, you had to be under 21. But yeah, I think I was 15, anyone 19. under 21 could oh. go. From West London. I didn't live in West, by the way. I snuck in. <laughs> no, one, like, no one lived in West, actually. Yeah. Like People were from like Feltham and like, oh, actually, really? like far yeah. away. Um, but I actually lived nearby. And that's how I found <coughs> out about it, because I got an email free from school. Um, but that's sort of where I got into like the whole sort of UK rap grime world because obviously like I'm not <laughs> not really born into that world and I was like a huge fan of like McFly at the time so <laughs> I think everyone was everyone was yeah 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 busted as well I literally stopped myself, but yeah. um but yeah I had no idea I, I wasn't a fan of U of UK rap and grime but everyone there was like that's all they were listening to and uh, when when we got there it was it was what was playing on phones and stuff and everyone was talking about it and i wanted to get in on the conversation and have something to talk about so i wasn't just sitting on the sidelines like mm -hmm. complete lemon and so mm -hmm. that's where i thought oh, i'd love to interview these people and like get to know an insight into their lives and so that's how the format of chicken shop date started really i also wanted to go on a date and i think that <laughs> just combined the two combined the two business yeah. and pleasure <laughs> yeah and also, when I start when I started doing Chicken Shop Day, those artists were were big in the scene, but they weren't in the charts as much. And now to see people like last week, Fredo and um, Dave, Dave are number one. So like now I'm not only interviewing just like rappers; I'm interviewing the most popular um, musicians Musician, in yeah. the country, which is amazing. Dope. So I'd I'd like to direct the question to you as well, Arnold. I mean, was um, Amelia's basically just explained how the community kind of mm. intrinsically gave her the kind of like courage or kind of like the passion to want to like discuss it more, do you understand? So yeah. what, how did the community contribute towards your creativity? You know what I mean? Yeah. And what does it mean to you in, for you and in your art, you know? For me, um, it was like, I'm not going to act like, this, I've got the same story that the, the cut helped me. In that sense, the cut helped me in the sense where, because now that you've said that is, I, I feel like saying it now, the cut helped me in the sense where when I started that, I was like, 
a young youth from the ends, I was just doing end stuff. You understand what I'm saying? And I, I just didn't leave my area. I remember I was always in the ends, you know, just doing hood stuff and whatever. And, um, you know, um, as you, <laughs> whatever, whatever. We don't see here. Yeah, let's leave it at whatever. whatever. <laughs> let's leave it at whatever. I'm, I'm on no George now. <laughs> yeah, so it's like when I was there, it was like my, I was, I remember I was in the ends one day and my friend was like, yo, I just see this ad for this thing called the cut, whatever. Can we go? Them times there it was in like Labrick Grove area. And, you know, when you're from the ends, you think, oh, nice, a slip. Man's got to go there, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever. So we was just like, nah, man's not going to, I was just like, I'm not going, I'm not going. But we was like, let's just try it, let's just try it. And I remember, I was like, you know what? What's the worst that can happen? So we went there, got through, and then I remember being on, I was doing the photography with them and being there, I was, I remember I was, they took me on some shoot to film, like to take pictures of some models. And I remember seeing people get free clothes. And I was just like, there's more to, yeah. like, I'm in the ends. I'm like, this, I'm like, they're not getting free. I did that, it's just for posing with them on. You get me? I met, I met, I remember took pictures of Red Yates. Um, I met real, a maniac. Real icon, bare, yeah. bare people, like, I met Skits Beats there, P Money, like, all these people. And I was just like, this is like, there's more to what man's doing where I'm doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was just like, let me, from that kind of open my eyes because I was just a kid from the ends that didn't know better. You get what I'm coming from? And, when I saw other things, I was like, raw, like I can get paid. Because I remember even when I first done my first show, when I first started doing the A Squeezy character, I remember I got booked in Peterborough and me and Rashid um, from Lincoln went up there to do the show. And I remember they were like, how much do you want us to pay you? I was like, it's like paid for what? <laughs> like, for what? Like, like, and I was like, I remember I think I told them like a 150. Yeah, and that's back, a calm when you first We didn't think about that, yeah. but we didn't think about the journey there, all that. We had to get the me and Rishi had to go to Peterborough on the train. We didn't you think about that money together. Yeah, it was yeah. mad. I was like, I was like, give me a bill 50, I'm easy, you get me like, whatever. But it was like just that, like just being able to, you know, do that is something that inspires me, motivates me, because there's a lot of kids that have different role models. You know, what I mean, at the time I had different mentors who was telling me to that's why I always thank my boy Matthew who showed me um about the cut because it was like he weren't a mentor, he was my friend, but at the time it was like it helped. You get what I mean? Because everyone else was saying, let's go do this, let's go do that. And that's why I'm so passionate about this thing because it's like there's a lot of kids out there that are talented, that are just in the ends, but they don't know what to do. They don't know any better. Mm. They they know what they know because they wake up in the morning and a lot of them, especially that live on the estate, it's hard to leave the ends when you're on the estate. So as soon as mm. you come out of your yard, you're on the estate. And most time, a lot of men, like even... When you watch Giggs' old interviews, they'll say that like, they didn't ever know anything other than the ends. Yeah. So, and, and it sounds mad when you say it to someone that's not from the ends, but yeah. I didn't like I didn't even want to go Chocadero no, them times because of the stories like, yeah. that I would hear. Like Chocadero used to be man, that's an arcade in Central. No, but back then it was like Chocadero. I'm not going out there, man. I gotta go there prepared, or I gotta go there tooled up, or whatever. And it was silly. Bro, yeah. I grew up in Wood Green. I totally understand. Like, I yeah. think I didn't go to South London. Like my, I have to go and link my girl. Like you know, my wife. Mm-hmm. That's the only time I went to South. You know, what I mean, yeah. what am I girl, doing in South? I was risking my life to go and see her. Now you're married with That's a kid right. so yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it made sense she's <laughs> crying huh? she's crying too <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like this when he mentions his wife always <laughs> oh yeah but, but let's, let's, let's get on to it I think Do like, you know what I think it's really Ellen. ironic that both of you um, were part of this really inspiring and awesome magazine called The Cut mm-hmm. and now there are that one that that situation doesn't even exist anymore because mm. there are literal cuts now to youth services and Imagine if both of you did not go to those services you went to and you never had access to the cut. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon you would have had the careers that you had now? 
No, not at all. Because I don't think... I, well, I wouldn't have started doing Chicken Shop Date. And Chicken Shop Date has given me ev- all of the opportunities that I now have as a result of me, yeah, putting that platform out. The cut really, like, gave me the confidence to be able to write, to be able mm. to create. I feel like what Arnold was saying, like, take somewhere they would never go before, but yeah. also it hones crafts and it teaches kids to have confidence in something and that maybe they're, they're talented in something that they never knew they would be. The format of a magazine is, like... There's so many different aspects to it. You can be a photographer, you can be a writer, you can be um, a producing editorial, all those kind of things. So it was amazing to have a youth club that not only gave us a space, a physical space, mm. but also had a structure to it. Mm. So you weren't just... I know other people's experiences of, of youth clubs are very different because you just go there and you play video games or... Or um, <laughs> Or, yeah, or you, like... Well, yeah, Listen like, to them clash. That was yeah, cool. like, yeah, if, yeah, if you talk to someone like Dizzy or someone like that, his yeah. experience of a youth club isn't um, writing articles in magazines. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but like, but it get, gives you it gives you different experiences. But yeah, definitely, I don't think that I would be where I am today without it. So I'm really, really grateful and uh, for that. For me, it's different because the cut helped in the sense where I built a few links there, and you know, it gave me that foresight to see things differently. But my thing started in college. But yeah, no, just yeah, using your your community that's around you to to make to be creative. I feel like yeah. that's really really important. And it's important and something that anyone can do. Yeah. Like people are like, oh, but how do I how do I start? How do I get my foot in the door? How do I become a presenter? How do I become a comedian? How do I do this thing? How do I become a poet, a writer? Like anyone can do it. Like that social media, online, all of those things has made it possible for you to create your own platform. Like Jadira, didn't you start as a blogger? Yeah, yeah. I started as, as a literal. Tumblr. It was a very very yeah. Well, well, it was initially Tumblr for a while, but then I moved on to like, so there's this thing called Blogspot. Don't even know if that yeah, exists no, yeah, anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like run by Google, I think. Very clunky, yeah. very analog. Started there. But at the time when I started, like similar to you, it was more about the excitement of just loving doing it and yeah. not caring about trying to gather an audience. Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, obviously, as time evolves and you start to realise that people are interested, that's when you then start to think about, you know, how people are going to respond to certain things mm-hmm. and you start to communicate with your audience mm-hmm. through that art or, or or media that you're putting out there. But just like you, it's something that you had to have, you know, used people in your network. So it's really, really similar to you. My friends at the time were photographers and videographers and, like, we would just, like, borrow each other's equipment. And it was all yeah. like, just like you on favours. I never yeah. paid anyone. Yeah. And so no yeah, we don't have any money to pay anyone. We, never, we were all broken <laughs> ambitious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll ask Amelia, what's your... What's what item, item did you, do you have today? Um, the item that I brought was, is... Big Nasty's comments on young people that he made in our chicken shop date. Ooh, episode. what did he say? Well, I asked him if if he has any sort of advice for young people today. I think it was at a time when um, sort of the rise in, in the, the amount of people who are being killed on the streets had risen to a number that has, hasn't been seen before. And I thought it was important to talk about, but I wanted, didn't, wanted to ask him, not directly that, but just to get his views on the subject because he's someone that has spoken about his political and social sort of stance a lot of times before. Devil makes work for idle hands, you know what I mean? Like, I was speaking about it with my mum the other day. These young kids are a bit fucked because of two things. Yeah, we're fucked because of what the government's doing by taking all resources and facilities away. But we're fucked on another hold that a lot of parents haven't got any control of their kids. That's just the honest truth. A lot of parents are getting spat and shouted at by their own kids. So, unfortunately, a kid who can spit at his mum and talk however he wants to his mum, you may be able to do that to your mum, but you can't do that to a man. So that's where problems will happen. And education's not just learning two plus two is four. 
and ABCs. A education is a trade. Learning something where you think you will be able to change the circumstance you're in. Mm. Mo Farrisign. Mo Farrisign. Come on. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought it was it, it was interesting because I'd never sort of done anything serious in Chicken Shop Day or like um, had anyone speak about anything other than like. <laughs> I don't know, like, if their music was a, yeah. was a piece of chicken, what would it be? Um, so that was really good, I think. And I was, like, debating whether to include it or not, but I think he's so engaging as a character that um, even though it was a more serious topic, mm. I think it was still as engaging as, as the funny parts of the interview. And um, I think it's good, you know, if you can capture people's attention, if you can make them uh, laugh and also have some kind of insight, I think that's the kind of content that I'd love to be making more of. As much as... You know, it is a light-hearted um, form of media that you're making. At the same time, because the nature of what you're doing is that you're documenting the times, and there are so many cultural anchors that are coming on the show, like Big Nasty. I think it's really key that that perspective is shown because it leads into the question of responsibility, yeah. especially as someone that's creating something from the community. Yeah, especially as I know that like my demographic is like young kids, like that's who's watching it. So I thought, well, if their if their eyes are on it because they think that they're gonna be um, watching something that's gonna make them laugh, then maybe I don't know. They probably don't care, but <laughs> or may, hopefully maybe that they'll they'll see it, see it and think that oh wow like he has some big nasty someone that I look up to has something to say on the subject mm. as well maybe that's going to make me more interested in it too to be able to be putting stuff out there like Arnold you probably think the same thing like putting stuff out there that makes people laugh if they've been having a, a rubbish day I really like the comments when I get someone saying tweeting me saying that they had a really rubbish crap day and then they watched an episode of Chicken Shop Day and it made them feel better like that's <laughs> yeah. amazing um, that you can give that to someone because um, I definitely like watch consume content to make me feel better sometimes when Absolutely. I'm stressed about things you can watch something and it can really lift your mood in a way that you know so uh, sometimes interactions with real people can't um, yeah which that's is a weird. point so yeah that's a very good point mm, it is man a lot, a, lot, a lot of people like someone the other day said to me um you, your videos kept me out of a lot of trouble. I could have oh, been doing... Wow. And I was like, raw, because I ain't put out stuff in so long. So sometimes oh, I've done a lot at, for the community, though, man. Yeah. Like, in terms of, like, a, a, a figure or even if it was just a character, you yeah. created something that not only laid the blueprint for lots of people to, like, evolve from, but also, like, allowed people to, like, channel, like, the conversations in our community in a way mm. that was digestible. But at the same time, it was, it's, it's still kind of, like, it, it resonated. You see yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I think that's... That, and that, to go back of what she's saying, it's, it's, it's key, man. Because I, I never really get phased by them kind of comments as much. It just depends on how it's said to me. Like, that one there touched me only because the guy was, like, proper saying, like, he could have been doing madness. And it's, like, kept him out of trouble in the sense where not trouble, like, little trouble. He's, like, it's helped him in, in more ways than one, you know. So it could be in this... I didn't get into detail with it, but it could have been in the sense where maybe him watching it motivated him in a different way and thought, oh, I don't have to do... Because with me, I've never hid the fact that I came from the ends and everyone knows I've come from the ends. If you know me from before, you know, whatever. But I just wanted to leave the end so bad once I saw a different life that I thought, how can I show people that are in the ends how ridiculous this ends thing really is? Yeah. You get what I'm coming yeah, from? So yeah. I started... Ex like, I remember when I first came out and... I was meant to be a shotter as a squeeze, and I was like, I got the lemon and the cheese. <laughs> for those who don't, <laughs> don't know, what's a shotter? A shotter is a, an entrepreneur who works in yeah. pharmaceuticals in the end. <laughs> I love that. So, um, I love that. Yeah, and then. Um, <laughs> an 
So and I had like lemon and chocolate, and I actually bought up Cadbury's chocolate yeah, yeah, yeah. lemon. I know, and I know what you're talking about. That's so great. It's like is that still available online? Yeah, that's on yeah. YouTube. That's that, like, that's that real oh. like. And it's like people watching people yeah. people laugh and they're like, bro, like because I've had man from the ends come to be like, bro, you from the ends, isn't it? Because some of the stuff you yeah, do, yeah, the references. Like, I know point. that about yeah, living. Yeah, it's like, but it's like it makes them laugh in the sense where they're looking at it like, I look ridiculous. It's just like ridiculous. Like it's just. I remember seeing your videos and thinking that they were so original. I feel like you were one of the first people to really like bring parody into that sort of world of culture. And there's so much power in parody, I think, you know, like switching it on its head to say exactly what you just said, to show people how ridiculous it is, um, what they're doing in that sort of world. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Not to to boil no one off, but yeah, go on. But AJ, do you know why what what you do is important, especially when it comes to making fun of yourself, is that... It takes a lot of vulnerability to be yeah. able to laugh at yourself. And yeah, yeah. when you are expressing that kind of vulnerability, the reason why Mandem are like, do you know what? That was jokes. And like that has opened up a whole new perspective for me is because if no one sees anybody being vulnerable, we're all going to think the only way to exist is to be hard and yeah, to be yeah, yeah. and to run away from feelings that scare us. So yeah. you didn't realize at the time that you laughing at yourself was you being able to own a side of yourself yeah. that, was seen as something that's quite risky to do. But you doing that was actually you empowering people that live that same experience and encourage them to see that, you know, it's cool to laugh at yourself because through laughing at yourself, you're admitting that there are elements of yourself that Mm. maybe aren't as great that you could work on. And I think that's so important. And I think that's one of the ways that comedy can have a healing aspect to it because it's about you just owning a situation and being like, this is mad. Let me just laugh about it. I'd rather laugh about it than lament. That's it. Because it's one of... Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen. Thousands where you, you can't take yourself too seriously, especially in the the, the the time of type of like era we live in now, where everything so looked like so hard. You know, like for yeah. example, mental health now. I feel like as of recent has a lot of people have been opening up. Yeah, and mental health. Like, and it sounds silly. Like for example, I remember my dad when I was a kid. He bought. He used to. I don't know why. Till this day, I'm confused. He used to buy a Slim Shady CDs. I, I don't get it. I need to play he for us on the way. Into the proper, that, that, <laughs> yeah. you know, Slim Shady old school was raw. Like, yeah, really. and my dad my would pick out. us up from we school, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. have the CD on yeah. and pumping it. And I remember Eminem. You know, I never used to get bullied, but when I was in primary school, I had I, I got normal lips now, but I just quite had big lips, yeah, and yeah. I don't know why big lips are cool now. <laughs> yeah. But in primary school, big lips weren't the lips. Yeah, it was bad. And yeah. I was getting, and I remember one guy, some, and this stuck with me. Some guy said, "If you if I was to throw you on the floor face first, you'll bounce back up." And that's, that I'm holding crushed, the log because that's deep. That was yeah, that that's one not crushed cool. man. But it was like I used to get. Um, like I remember there was a lyric called Who's Not Ready for the Mercage I remember back in the days Hyperfen and Marcy Phonics oh, Mar- oh you're taking me my back, friend used to come up to me <laughs> some guys come up to me and be like you're not ready for the <laughs> I remember all the cusses I've got them all written down but yeah so it's like I remember listening to Eminem CD and him talking about being bullied and I feel like from him saying that it made a lot of kids that were getting bullied come out yeah, and be like, no, it's cool to get bullied, but you know what? I made it, he's I still own it, yeah. Because yeah, 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 then like, yeah, yeah. Eminem gets bullied. I remember looking like, yeah. and I remember from then, I remember I moved areas and I said to myself, you know what? 
I'm going to start again. I got the new school. I'm I'm the cool kid now. And I came to school and I just became, I went to a new school and I, I just ran the yeah, whole primary school in high school. In the end, I was just doing my thing because it, it's bad in the school at the same time because I got, I wouldn't say bullied, they were just picked on. Yeah, and yeah. Listening to Eminem and he was like, yeah, so now I feel like we've meant home. He empowered it's, you. Yeah, and it's good to make a, not a joke about it, but come out and make it seem like I'm going through mental health as well. What? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, the discussion. Let's talk as opposed to I'm going to just keep quiet. Like when I listened yeah. to like back in the days, I listened to Tyler the Creator and oh, before gosh, before yeah. listening to him, I thought every celebrity was good and I remember he had a lyric where he was like, sell out a tour in Paris lot. just to end up on couches. And yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. How do you end up on? And he just, his albums are just real. Like yeah. I'm just, I'm still at my grandma's yard. I ain't got no peace to move mm. out, but I'm selling out and I was listening to him thinking, he just owns this thing. He's not mm-hmm. glamorizing it like it's good to be broke, but he's mm-hmm. saying, look, I'm an artist and I'm still broke. You know what I mean? And it makes yeah. you want to support them more. Yeah. So I've never actually listened that much to Tyler, but... Mm. I, it's powerful, I think, when you own your, yeah, your you own um, insecurities. It, yeah. yeah, and say, this is me. I'm a hood guy, but I want to change. What but item did you bring? That's it. I got um, a, a, um, a lyric from um, please, please. give us the whole um, 16 though don't just give it's literally the lyric and I'll give a context the lyric I've got is from Swiss Cry it's um, look oh, what happened to the motherland man. they don't want to see blacks the same, same as, as another, another man, man. Um, oh. and it's that lyric the reason I've got you that lyric carry on bro I don't, I don't trade whole. shade but they call me a coloured man come on yeah 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 that's it go and say the lyric they tell me a coloured man I don't change that's it look what happened to the motherland they don't want to see blacks the same as a motherland I don't change colour but they call me a coloured man and the reason I got that is because so many conversations that we had about obviously colonizing and you know how you know I feel like the urban community is being looked at in a much more positive light as opposed to like what we was talking about earlier was like everything changes a year later something that was good can be bad you know what I mean yeah. and at that social time, landscape is constantly changing changing and, and at the time it was hard to be black or urban or whatever yeah. Yeah. and now it's like it's accepted you know what I mean and people are not worried about charting they're not worried about labels they're not worried about being mainstream yeah. they're coming out and saying yo this is me and this is what i'm gonna do and i'm gonna like when you look at the rated awards for example oh, yeah. like mm-hmm. it's just like just the things that at the time when someone's saying put an award show because i remember being invited to that you know me never, never i never i know z list out here boy you know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> you never relate never invited i've never been invited, you've been invited to, to the prince's yard man and Teresa's yeah, yard yeah, you're yeah, good you're, man. Invited to the you're in a different type yeah, of invite. i know but i would like to be invited <laughs> to the cookout as well in it, you know what i'm saying <laughs> but that, that's why my my my, my um, item is that because i feel like it, it means a lot now when you listen to that lyric now and to see how far we've come, yeah. you know, as a community, as, yeah. as, as people, as, as, as young, talented individuals, you know, who at one point was thinking, how's my music or how's my art going to affect someone? And to now it being a career, you know what I mean? And that lyric, you can hear it now. And is that when you, you say, I can look back and I laugh? Yeah. You know what I mean? You can hear that lyric now and be like, look what happened to my day, want to see black So, so yeah. what do you think the change? Do you think youth... But young people were the key to change. Even if we're talking not even just in music, we're talking about like in politics and in wider society because I, this change that happened, what yeah. was the catalyst for it? I you mean, know what I'm saying? I think so, but you see my problem with is yeah, it's and it's just something that I'm very, you know, passionate about. It's for example, I, I don't ever push that the only way to do something you love is in the industry. A lot of people push that mm, you have to be a musician. You have means? to be and I mean in the sense of someone might be want to be a doctor. Someone might want to be a lot. Someone might want to do something else, right? Now, my problem is this. A lot of people from the ends, and I speak from someone that was from the ends, right? We, from the ends, it's not that we're dumb. We just ain't knowledge, have knowledge on how to awareness, get out. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah, how can we get there, right? So, for example, you'd have a guy who 
for example, done something when he was like 16, he's now 28, 30, whatever, and he wants to change life and tries to get a job. But because of his DBS, right? They're Who's looking DBS? at him. DBS is based like a criminal record. So okay. when you go and they, oh, what's what's on your record, like you go apply for a job, you do a DBS check, which you have to pay for on top of that, oh, right? And then the results come back and it says, yo, you've done this when you were 16. Now we don't want to hire you. And it's like, they look at that and it's like off face value. Like mm. that says that. But okay, that was when you were 16. He's yeah. 30 now. You can see that this guy's trying. And then, that happens, he gets demotivated and goes back to the ends or yeah. thinks music's my only outlet or thinks I have to act. But he might want to do something else. He might want to work with kids. He might want to work as, as a carer because maybe he's had experience with his grandma who was struggling. He wants to help more people like that. But because of that DBS thing, he tries to go out there and it's like, oh, yeah, we look down on you. And I think that's what's hard on the community. I think there needs to be some change in that because yeah. we're just yeah. making it seem, not weird as in us in the room, yeah. in hindsight, it's making it seem as if, yeah, to chase your dream, you've got to be a... A rapper, bro. Like you, if you want to be yeah. a, right, a, a more, teacher, there's more there's industries more. where you can have success in yeah. not just um, music or that, TV it. or sports. That, like the only, for example, the only you know um, barrier that people have in the industries, like for example, if you're DBS or whatever is bad, you might not be allowed to come to London. Like for example, Meek Mill or Frenchman might ain't allowed yeah. to come to London, yeah. for example, because whatever they've done in the past. That's the only kind of barrier. But you can get in. Whereas when you're not trying to do the industry thing, you can't even get in because they'll look at that and say. Yeah, we, you know, we understand that, you know, you've done community work and, you know, you've done mm. this and you've been helping your area for six, six years. But because when you was 17, you uh, threw firework on the bus and got charged <laughs> for it. Um, we nah, can't hide. We can't hide. And it's like, get to know me, man. So you know what I mean? It's a vicious cycle, really, isn't it? It is, yeah. You're gonna, yeah if you're going to stop um, people from getting opportunities, then you're not going to have any more success, are you, in the community? There you go. And how do you expect these kids to stay doing what they... Because a lot of these, I've seen people get turned down by that and be like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to the ends because the ends accepts me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm a shotter, a pharmaceutical. That that accepts me. You know what I mean? I'm going to go back and do that because I'm trying... I'm, I've seen people in the ends that are trying. Like, they're really trying to change their life around. Like, as in they... It's like, because, you know, you, you, you've worked in retail and you know how it goes. You can't make big money at a retail place. You no, can't you can't, you can't afford a house working at a retail. You can't even probably afford rent. You know what I mean? Minimum wage is hard, isn't it? So someone might want to, yeah. you know, get a degree or do something better. Like even some some degrees that you're trying to get, they ask for DBS. You know what I mean? Some degrees that you're trying to apply, uh, apply, apply universities, they ask for DBS. And if your DBS is bad, they don't let you come into the university. It's all these little things. And it's like, you're just kind of, putting preventions on people. Yeah. yeah. That people that deserve, yeah. everyone deserves a second chance, you know what I mean? But so, it's but, interesting mm. what you said at first about what's changed, what made it change now that we're now all here and, and everyone's, and and the scene actually is is so so incredible right now. Mm. I'm, I'm trying to think of what the turning point was from it being, from, from it being more underground to, mm. to now, like the... German whip. Wasn't it German? No, I, I think, feel like I think it was everyone, German I think whip. Everyone just, I <laughs> think everyone just accepted that we actually can do this. It's like, it's like for example, um, the first music video. I can't remember what song it was. What do you mean? The first music video on MTV. When MTV first came out, there was a song. Michael Jackson, was it? No, not Michael Jackson. It was Madonna, no? No, it was some two... Video killer. Video killer. Yes, yes. That's why you're the G. Isn't that Madonna? No, it was video killer. Oh, I can't remember her name. Yes, Video killer. Video star. There was something. I think Nicki Minaj even sampled it. Video killer. Wait, sorry. Is that the turning point? No, no. Sorry, sorry. And then the skeptical on Mercury. The ticket shop date became big. Now it was basically what happened was, what I'm trying to say is, when that first music video came out, it was weird. It's like music videos. 
what's that about? Well, we don't want to do that. You know what mm. I mean? And then it takes someone just saying, you know what? Come, come, this is this is it. This is the new wave. Let's do it. So when someone does, for example, the urban thing, a lot of people might be like, ah, nah, man, we need a label. We need this. But then now people are like, we don't need labels. Yeah. You see people like Stormzy, Chance the Rapper. Yeah, yeah. People Honey. like yeah. JME, who's been... JME even says it on his bio, no yeah. label, no a yeah. no JME's a- been independent for the longest. There you go. And it's, it takes a whole community to say, you know what, we're going to... Because it's a risk to say... Imagine everyone said, let's leave our label. Right, it's a yeah. risk, isn't it? But yeah. it takes them to just say that and do it, and then see if it works or not. Yeah, that makes sense. I also think, like again, going back to the internet and social media, and the, yeah, the fact that people now can be independent much more easily as artists and just in general creatives because mm. they, they can push their own music out there and they can push their own product, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. without needing these corporations and their um, platforms to like do it radio. for you. You have your own platform. Yeah. Um, myself, you, and AJ were having a discussion earlier about how. Um, there are certain things that happened at the time that if they happened now, they would have been received yeah. so much differently because yeah. of yeah. How, how aware we are and how conversations are influenced in the way we even approach music, which is why I even think music has changed so much. Like with Skepta winning a Mercury, it's like certain conversations have allowed that to happen because we're now receptive to understanding the mm. depth and the meaning of that person's story and why it's so culturally relevant. Yeah. Mm. I feel like that's, and that's what I was saying with German Wick because I feel like past the grime era of when you had like these you had like Skepta Pass all of that stuff mm-hmm. that was the first time I, 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 in years I'd heard a grime song like that was yeah. being championed like all everywhere yeah, yeah, like, so the chart, do you understand right? yeah, and I was like raw like, this is, I thought grime was dead to many people and I was thinking raw but it was because social media I remember I was in Ghana when I heard it and I wasn't even in the country and I was like raw like what Dan like really like but million see, Dan but see like, what, see what I'm saying earlier yeah. see how see, when that happened everyone came forward yeah, exactly, and said yeah. you know what grime can, can actually do it and that's what that's all it takes is for community because it is risky imagine you know, we're all chilling, right? And we're all nine to fivers. And I, it's like, for example, Modern Family. There's a show called Modern Family. And um, a couple of the actors weren't getting paid enough or whatever. Yeah. So all of them took a strike. Yeah, for mm-hmm. so they, to, And then when they, the money went up, they all came back. But imagine you take a strike, all you get fired. Yeah. It's like a risk, yeah. isn't it? It's like, it takes everyone to say, yeah. you know what? I'm putting my foot down as a, yeah, as, a, as a whole. But yeah. with with Skepta as well, I think that he like is so monumental in like the yeah. change in in terms of like the music um, and its popularity right now. But I think it's because in his um, like with that's not me, for example, is like another track which I think like yeah. really blew up and like um, and I think that's because he him and his brother were owning their identity and who they are. The whole. Th- um, the whole like meaning of that's not me. He's throwing away his Louis Vuitton, like throwing away yeah. all these things. I'm trying to He's find that bin that he threw in. <laughs> sitting, what is it? The lyric sitting in a a, a black tracksuit, mm. sitting in the front row. Like he is really mm. owning the fact that yeah, he wears a tracksuit every day, and that's cool, and that's fine. I don't don't have to be anything that I'm not. Mm. I'm me. I'm unapologetically me, and I think that people <coughs> audiences really resonated with the fact that he was really proud of like the fact of his identity um, and I think that's why the scene really like caught on from that sort from of like that, yeah, authentic yeah. it became a wave after Ace, like, after Ace Hood flow he just went on a mad one he yeah, just like I don't like, care about anything else and it becomes a wave because everyone once that happened everyone kind of looked at that and said like Chip started coming back you know you had Stormzy coming in you had um, at the time Bonkers was doing his thing at the yeah. time there was so much people that was just coming forward and saying you know what we can do this if you go and link up at that era Link up and grind it that era, it's like a chunk where it was just mills on point. Because back in the days, when I was out here, 
I'd get like 100,000 hits and that was the thing. Yeah, that was big. Yeah, of course. But now it's Even like now 100,000 is still a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's, it's a lot, but I mean like in the sense but, of yeah. like, it's like, it's like a thousand how it was back then. Because remember oh, back true. then when... Um, Crept and Corner got their first meal. Yeah, and they were doing push-ups Otis. and everything. Everyone was like... They were doing push-ups, they made a special video and all that. Yeah. A meal, blood. Like, that was, nowadays, a meal was standard. They've all yeah. got plaques and that. Granddaddy really got plaques for a meal. Like, it's like, it's it's <laughs> nothing. Like, they just got it ready. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's like, everyone has to champion something and say, look, I believe in this. We can do it and just jump on board as opposed mm. to how, how it was before like when Grime first came out Grime started in 2004 or whatever yeah, and look how long then. it took only now where people are like because everyone now because back then they were all beefing each other they were all clashing one of they hated each other like, yeah everyone was young the, everyone the, was I young. always say that the leaders of the scene at the time were kids bro look like, at B, about, like, what Lethal B put up and yeah. um, he saw he said while he was on TV and his, his, his mum said is that the guy that said I had athletes oh, yes, foot yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean yeah. because <laughs> they was like they like Bashi made a 10 minute diss track for Wiley bro oh, yeah, he went in where he talked about his sister talking about Peter calling him Peter you're a yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I moved to your sister Janaya. Like yeah, it was like, yeah. it, like mad, but now they bridgings, you know what I mean? And it took yeah. a while for everyone to just say, you know what, let's get this money or yeah. let's move forward yeah. as opposed to I think it's so amazing that now like young people can like and in communities I really think are coming together even though the beginning of this we were talking about communities divided like mm. I think seeing the success of people that we were just mentioned like Skepta like people who have been on Chicken Shop Date people that we all know and work, have worked with like seeing their success I feel like is really empowering to communities um, especially for young people mm. to see I just think it's amazing that like you can see people that have grown and have such success yeah. who have come from communities that are a lot like your own mm. like that's amazing and not even just musicians we were talking about Mo before and look yeah, at the journey like, that uh, he's taken yeah. to get to where he is and just across the road he's selling out these massive venues you know what I mean that's from Sunday show back yeah. in the day you know what I mean that's been a journey of like 10 like t- almost 10 years you get yeah. what I'm saying so let's talk about youth like um an actual like activism, you know what I mean? In terms of like youth engaging and stuff. You recently ran a petition, didn't you, Amelia? Do you yeah, want to talk about that clubs. a little bit? It was I think it was a couple of years ago now, I think maybe a year and a half ago. But the youth club that we were speaking about um in Northwest London called the Stowe, where the Cut magazine was run from, um, has been has been shut because of um cuts to youth youth services. So youth services are not a statutory service in the government. What does that which mean? Which means um so the government has statutory services that are so legal requirements that you have to fund so like healthcare education like advice bureau and all that uh, i'm not that? i'm not i'm not sure i don't think it's so it's more it's more like services that the government provides legally they have to um and youth youth services are not one of those. The majority of the time, youth services are the first thing to be cut when um, local council budgets are decreased, which is what happened when the Conservatives came into power nearly over eight years ago now. And so because of these cuts, the youth club couldn't afford to be run anymore. And so I started a petition, an online petition, to try and galvanise people to keep it open. Um, I think if we had a certain amount of signatures, then it would be a topic in the the next council meeting. Obviously, the petition, sadly, didn't help the situation. And now, um, yeah, the youth club has, has been forced to shut, as, as along with so many others um, in my borough of Westminster and also um, across the country and nationwide. And, yeah... Um, it's it's terrible, really. But um, the Labour Labour have a pledge that if they get into power, that they will make youth services a statutory service, which I think is um, the, the right step. Yeah, and I think that um, 
the government we have now should should be pledging that too um because if you're not supporting young people then i feel like the foundations to society overall are flawed majorly um I think I just think how amazing it would be if all if all young people had the support network that like that, that I had that other people had like how that will go on to make um, incredible adults. Hundred percent. Yeah. I feel like they need to. They, I don't. I wouldn't say money. bring back youth clubs. Yeah, they need to bring <laughs> things like, for example, more workshops, more things that that because now the industry is so intact where the guy that's big now lives on the estate anyway. Yeah. So collaborate with these people, meet with these people and say, how can we create stuff for your neighbourhood, create more purposeful things? And then you take the, them away from thinking yeah. that violence is the only way to like engage with each other. That's it, you know because I mean? I'm sure if me and Amelia just went to the, the cut and it wasn't the cut, we just went to Stowe to just chill, I, I doubt man would have yeah. had the ideas we had. It would just be I in think there. as well, it's like um, what I've noticed because of the lack of government funding, is that actually a lot of brands are now um, trying to occupy this space in yeah. terms of um, running workshops, um, being sort of providing the money that they have to try and help young people. Mm. But sometimes with brands, you have the... Um, what could happen is that it's more for show and that actually it's more of a publicity thing, a PR thing, yeah. that um, a brand wants to... Th- um, wants to show that they're engaging in young people, but actually they're not following through. So it will be like a, a, a sort of a day of things or like something rather than like something that's more long term, which I think that government money can really provide some, stability. Yeah. I know that there are a lot of, of, of brands and companies that are that do provide more long term things. But I do think that that's something that should be explored more if you ask a lot of people within different industries if they'd be willing to share some of their experiences and give up their time I think they would I think that people also have a responsibility to go out and see how they can help young people and what they can give I think that's a great point for us to kind of bring it full circle so I think the way we end the show every week is we kind of ask one person what they've learnt through the process of being in the show the whole point of this conversation is that everyone's on the same level nobody is more righteous or smart than anyone else and I think for us to be able to progress and learn from each other in this fast moving society that we're living in it's really key that we have these conversations and give each other the opportunity to learn something from each other because ultimately what's the point in having these conversations if you don't feel like you can contribute so for me I learned from AJ that there are so many different ways of displaying your excellence and you don't necessarily have to do it in a creative way. And it reminds me of... Um, so there's a time when I met Oprah, right? And I asked her... You met Oprah? Yeah. She just oh, said you it. Like, yeah, yeah. Tell me I met Oprah. Anyway. <laughs> you don't <laughs> just say like that. You don't it's say... Tell me Theresa May invited me to a party. I said no. Tell me I met Oprah. Don't graze over Oprah Damn, like, you met Oprah? So I met, so I met Oprah and I asked her a question and I asked her what her favourite quote is. Yeah. And it just reminds me of what you're talking about. Her favourite quote, she... she uh, paraphrased a Martin Luther King quote and she said not everybody can be famous but everybody can be great because greatness is about service to others and I think that's really really key and something to keep in mind because in anything that you do whether it's entertainment and comedy through like chicken shop dates or whether it's through you um, directing and producing something that tells a really important story or whether it's through you just like you know writing blogs whatever you're doing I think it's really key that you're keeping in mind that someone gets something out of this that Mm. isn't just you that it allow someone to see a whole a whole different way of approaching and viewing the world yeah. um Sully what about you what have you learned today I think what I've really learned is kind of happens off the um, outside of the conversation but just watching both of these two speak and I just think 
the level of growth I'm seeing in both of them. Obviously, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, Amelia, with where she started and where she is now, you know what I mean? I love watching, like, success stories, but also, mm-hmm. like, Arnold, you know, coming from A-Squeezy to where he is now and the conversations <laughs> he's having, do you get what I'm saying? And thinking about, like, how much, like the story of how much he was invested in the creation of the culture, you know what I'm saying? And how, how you just started. And then the, this weird serendipity with that the same youth centre that yeah. is no longer existing yeah, yeah, yeah. contributes towards this, this conversation. This was planned, by the way. You understand honestly. what I'm saying? It's like, it's weird because no one knew that, but like the way that it, like, it's just, I think that's really what was like, just left me. That's really what I'm going to be thinking about outside yeah. of everything we said. Yeah. That's really one of the things that I'm going to take Very away from today. Moment. Amelia, have yeah. you got anything to I, say? I think, yeah, just the same, just by being here with you guys, seeing the sort yeah, as you were saying, the growth of people because I've I've known you guys both of you two for years and Shadira I've known you for a while now yeah. as well but it's just the fact that we're we've like hard work pays off I think that's what it is and that like that anyone can get to this level as well that you don't have to you know have tons of cash you don't have to have all the equipment you can you can make something from your on your own terms and with your network and your community that's around you like I think that that's that's really what I've learned just from the fact that we're all sitting in this room yeah I've learned that the importance of um, unity, you know what I mean? The importance of unity, the importance of coming together as a community and having conversations, even if the conversations don't bring a direct solution then mm-hmm. and there. It's, it's just, just that conversation. Starting. Yeah, that seed, like just what start. Sully was saying about what he's going to take from outside. Like it's a seed that's been planted that, you know, it, it, it helps spark something sometimes, you know? So like we can have these conversations and I might sit at home because I've, I've got a script that I've been working on that I meant to commission, a commission, but I've taken long to start. And this conversation just gives me that motivation just to see all you lots growth. I'm going to go in today and just really, well, I hope so. Oh, no. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I say I will, but yeah. You will, bro. You will, yeah. You will. Just talk, speak it into existence. Finish bro. that script. Hey, you must finish account, that I have to, you know what I mean? I think that's a great way to end today. <laughs> it's been amazing. Thank, Thank you, you so much, much for coming. Thank you guys very much for coming.